0: You've probably heard it all before, but this time, let Dr. Lanker connect the dots in a way that makes the Christian faith come alive. In the book of Romans, Paul has uh, talked to us about how the gospel, this good news, not only sets us free from sin and from death, but it transforms us. It makes us new creations. But how exactly does this new creation work itself out in actual everyday life? To this question, Paul turns himself in the book to the Ephesians. What's interesting about this book, and it's just a little side point, is that in the original letters that we have, the most ancient manuscripts, it does not say to the saints who are at Ephesus. It says to the saints who are at, and there's no place name there. Our best guess is that this is a letter that's a circular letter for all the churches in Asia Minor that starts in Ephesus and ends in Ephesus. By it being circular, what it's saying is that this message is for all of the church. It's not just for one church in particular, but for all of them in this process. And what he wants them to know, he gets at first in chapter 18, in chapter 18, chapter 1, verse 18, when he says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. What Paul wants for his his listeners, for his church more than anything else, is that they would have hope in Jesus's calling that they are going to be new creations, that they are going to be transformed in this process. He also wants them to know that they're incredibly valuable to God. They're actually his inheritance. They hold a great value to God's work in his kingdom that he's going to establish. And finally, he wants them to know God's power, not just about it, but he wants them to see it at work in and through them. When we hear all of that, we probably go, man, I want God to change me. I want to know that God sees me as valuable. I, I want to know God's power at work in me. And we're halfway there. Because what we've done is we've made the gospel about me, not the gospel about us. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, we need to keep that as kind of this primary point that the, whenever we read the word you, it is translated best, for those of you who are from Texas, you'll get this, as y'all. It's a plural. It's not a singular And if we want to get this point most thoroughly and convincingly, we get it just a few verses after what Paul introduces as his desire for this church, when he ends up saying, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and is in all. What Paul is saying there is, is he's answering a question that a lot of us have probably asked throughout our lives, or maybe we've heard it. You need to find your identity in Christ. Well, what the heck does that mean? How do you practically apply that? Well, what Paul says by saying that the church is the fullness of his body, is he saying that you could substitute church for Christ. We find our identity, we find our hope, our value, and his power in and through his church because his church is his physical representation in this everyday world. So all of this goodness comes through his people, through his body. We within our world want to make it just about, I can go ahead and have my personal relationship with Jesus. And if so, we've missed the point that Paul wants to get across in the book of Ephesians. No, we find all God's goodness through his people. And if we're not committed to his church and his people, then all these great things that God wants to do in us and through us, will never see and be experienced by us. To make this point just a little bit further, he says, and this is a really famous passage for us in chapter two, for by grace, you all have been saved through faith. And that is not of y'all's selves. It's a gift of God, not a result of work so that none of us can boast for we are his workmanship. And that word workmanship is a really great word in Greek that means masterpiece, uh, it, it means that God is doing good things in us together. And if we want to find our place within his work, if we want to know his grace, if we want to experience salvation, if we want to find faith, Paul says, you don't do it by yourself. You do it with his people. And this people has now been expanded in an incredible way. In verse 14, he talks about this most explicitly, and it it talks to something that Paul has done. He's taken a Gentile into the temple courts, and in doing that, he just outraged the Jews, and so that's why he's in prison right now. And so what he says is, he says this, that Jesus Christ has broken down the dividing wall and that dividing wall, if you remember, was set up right outside of the true kind of temple area in the court of the Gentiles. And it said in multiple languages, you pass this wall, you will be killed on the spot. And Paul uses this very physical imagery to be able to say, hey, you know what? Not only does he want us to bring Gentiles into the temple so they can see his worship, he wants us to bring them into the Holy of Holies so they have a deep personal relationship with the infinite God so that they get to experience all this goodness and this life that God promised to his original people, Israel. It's now open to the entire world and anyone can come to him. In chapters three through six, he continues this thought and he builds on it. And in chapter three, he basically unpacks, yes, this really is as incredible a gift as you can imagine. In chapter four, he says, you know what? You don't have to just do this all by yourself. Yes, we are one in Christ, but he has given us apostles. He's given us prophets. He's given us evangelists and he's given us pastor teachers. Why? So they can build up you and me for works of service in the church until the whole entire church, the body of Christ, lives as one people. Paul is hammering this point. You want to know God's goodness that I talked about in Romans. You want to be set free and change forever. It does not happen with just you and me. It happens in and through my body. And he hits this most fully in chapter 6. In a, in a passage that I just want to highlight for us because we've probably heard it or acted it out when we were little kids. You dressed up in your little, uh, Roman gear and said, I'm a soldier of Jesus and, and I'm going to fight off the devil for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, Paul says, but against principalities and powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And so what do we do? We, we stand firm. We gird up our loins with truth. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. Every time you acted this out when you were a little kid, you went ahead and you said, hey, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to put on the armor of God and I'm going to stand against Satan. The thing is, is we've missed all the "us" in there. All the "us" are plurals. And it says, y'all need to put all this stuff on and y'all have to stand together and y'all got to pray for each other you don't win the battle against Satan by yourself. You win it by sticking together. And the picture that Paul paints would have come through really clearly for his original listeners, because they were used to the Romans defeating and conquering the entire world through something they called the turtle. They would go ahead and they would get their entire formation in a circle and they would take their shields and they would use their shield to protect the person next to them. And then they would go ahead and stick their swords out of it to be able to attack the enemy. And then they'd have these shields that they held up above that stopped all the arrows that could be shot at them from far away to possibly disrupt this little, uh, tortoise, the tortoise, tortoise, turtle. Um, And, uh, and, and so they, they defended each other and by defending each other, they conquered the world. And that's the exact picture that Paul wants to paint is that we, as the church, if we want all of God's goodness, we live, we fight, we work together. And that's where we see God's kingdom come and his will be done. It does not happen individually because of that. Many of you have said this or you've heard this. I love Jesus, but not the church. You can't. It's impossible to separate the two. The church is the body of Christ. He is the head. We are his people. And together, we get to experience all that God has planned for us today, tomorrow, and forevermore.